Ah, what a time to be alive. You are listening to the second episode, the second installment of the official Red Patch Boys podcast. My name's Ben McClellan. That is Cam Miller. Um, and we're ready to dive back in. Uh, a lot of great engagement and positive feedback regarding the first podcast, which we are extremely appreciative of. Um, I'm really glad it was able to get the reach that it did so early on. Um, a lot of compliments, a lot of ideas coming in. So we we love all of that. Uh, we really appreciate that. And we hope that we can keep this thing rolling. Cam, how are you doing? I am absolutely fantastic. Uh, without a cease and desist on uh, this podcast, life is good. Onwards and upwards, as they say. Yeah, certainly not falling into the cancel culture as of yet. So we'll take that as a big win here early on. Um, we haven't offended anyone yet. I'm sure it's only yet, a matter of time yet. until we've said something. Um, but like I said, I, I, I like to think we're uh, a more open-minded group of uh, people. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, uh, most <laughs> definitely. I imagine we'll, I imagine we'll be towing that line a little bit once the season starts and we've got some spirited opinions about how things are going in TFC land. But we'll start off with our very own Red Patch Boys. Um, and the one thing we want to touch on this week as we got a question regarding it um in our i guess mail box kind of segment which we'll touch on this question now um and it was from Jaden brown and he he asked if we could make a video um of the process where we make flags and banners and whatnot fortunately kind of tough to make that video right now because those are obviously more than a one man or one person job but uh, we can certainly kind of go through that process. And then on top of that, all the different committees that we have rolling uh, within the RPB. So Cam, did you want to start there? Yeah. Um, first off, Jaden, great question. Um, I think it's always an opportunity for us to get connected and um, do these types of events. And, and a video is one way of giving more information to uh, the Red Patch members. Uh, so, uh, I would love to have filmed a video uh, with, I'd say you'd need, you know, three to, to, to 10 people to do a, a bannering session as we typically call them. Um, but you can do a variety of things with, with any of these events. Um, but uh, that's just kind of one little arm of the Red Patch Boys community. And we typically call them um, committees. And these committees uh, exist within Red Patch Boys to help uh, divide and conquer where there, there could be a lot of things that you need to either convey in terms of communication or organize. And as I said in, in sort of my introduction on our first episode, I got involved with the tailgating group um, pretty immediately. And that was my way of kind of integrating myself into the committee. And um, another portion of that was the bannering team. Uh, and it was mainly because I had a space. I had a, a storage unit for work that I could have us go and banner in because it was like freezing cold outside, need a place to paint and actual dry uh, before we headed down to, uh, I think it was a Columbus game. Um, yeah, and we, I think we did a USA banner and the A was EH for Bradley and Altador. Um, but that was many, many years ago now. Um, and, and that was a fun way of us sort of getting together. Uh, but uh, sort of a part of that would have been the bannering committee, the away day committee, um, uh, as, as different teams and, and, and threads you would have reached out to on the forums to try and navigate your way into a game. And um, obviously we're not doing away days anymore, but I know our, our president um, DJ Cuse was uh, the leader, if not still was the leader on away days. 
um, and he would kind of coordinate with giving you the either um, code for the the team. So when you went to their website to buy tickets, you could put the code in, so you're put into a supporter section. Um, and and you know a lot of those teams unfortunately have been uh, or committees I can say have been put on hold for obvious reasons. Um, the one really active team that there is, and I think deserve a, a massive shout out is our Red Patch Boys membership team. That's uh, board names Dawkins, Fergie Jr., Miss Jones, Nancy Miranda, Red Sonia, Scooter, and Simon. And I know I've, I've battered uh, Nancy Miranda and Red Sonia about uh, messages a number of times about um, uh, my membership and in terms of have I paid or not, because I honestly forgot a few times. And they're always super kind and helpful. And, and at the end of the day, they just wanted to faci facilitate us having a really robust membership group. So big shout out to our, our membership team as being the, the, the really hard at work team. And then beyond that, I, I'm pretty sure we've got a forums team that look after kind of the tech side of things, or at least would, would help over, oversee that. Um, but if there is anything on the Red Patch website that everyone's interested in, again, throw it in the uh, thread, start a conversation, whether you wanted to start a, a little committee, whether it's, you know, helping around the city, or if you're in another part of Ontario, you may live in Toronto, you might live up in, um, you know, I live in Barrie and you want to, to find out who in the, in the group is up there, maybe start a Barrie thread and maybe you can have a little committee up there where you can do your own bannering session. And so these are the fun opportunities we have where if you're a self-starter, uh, Jaden, you, you can really get yours going there and we can provide insight where we can um, if it's not quite yet a video. For sure. And it's really important that we kind of touch on all these committees as much as we can because of uh, just how in intricate they kind of make the group. Um, obviously you see what happens on game day and you see everybody in the South end, but you don't really see, uh, what kind of goes into all those efforts, not only what you see in the stadium and in the crowd, but all the events and whatnot that take place outside of game days and, um, and so on. So definitely a lot of hardworking people, uh, within the group that make up these different committees. Um, I know a couple of them. So we, we touched on the banner making ones and the flags. Um, and there's so much that go into those banner painting sessions, ah, excuse me, those banner painting sessions, um, you know, just in terms of finding a spot where big enough where we can lay out the entire banner and uh, have the space for everybody to fit and paint and the effort that goes into kind of outlining what the plan is for those banners so much that goes into it. And then I think one of my favorite committees personally uh, is the away day committee, uh, which I certainly miss. Um, I know from previous experience, those road trips with other members of red patch are probably some of the best times I've ever had. Um, deadly. But, they are deadly. <laughs> <laughs> deadly is the probably the perfect word to, to explain it. But um, I know personally my trip to Columbus for the 2017 Eastern Conference final. And then uh, the week previous, I had went to New Jersey uh, with a few friends of ours from Red Patch, um, which that turned into quite the day, uh, which in may have included stuffing our faces with Carlos Bakery cannolis. Um, so hopefully, we can maybe get them as a sponsor here. We'll see what happens. They're probably, oh, yeah, more, of a, so, probably more so of a red bat. Probably more of a Red Bulls um, <laughs> type sponsor there. 
but certainly a lot that goes into all these different committees and in the different efforts that you see put forward from this group. So really glad uh, that we got that question from Jaden and that you were able to touch on all those different committees, Cam. Um, and a great question, Jaden. Uh, hopefully in the near future when we can actually gather in public and um, hopefully have a home date or even a way date for that matter, where we may have fans in the crowd or be able to send a banner their way. Um, certainly probably get into that a little more um, and trying to recruit some people to join that. Uh, moving on, uh, not too much news in specific TFC terms. Uh, for one, we've had Bore off the board, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Um, a couple Canadian men's national team involvements with, with Toronto FC and one other transfer rumor circling around the MLS with, which involves Toronto FC. Uh, did you want to touch on any of those cam? Let's, let's start with, with kind of the topic stemming from last week as we, we sort of build this narrative of the red patch boys official podcast was uh bore or boar still unconfirmed how do we say his name but <laughs> i saw that it's there's an asante goo on, on the end of it so i'm saying bore now i think i'm, I'm with you um uh, he signed in brazil at gremio so he was at river plate and uh before this this recording i i threw on his highlights and you know one of the questions that came up on our uh our forum was uh, or may have been actually on Instagram. Um, you know, what do we think of? You know, would it have been a good signing if he if he had come? Would it have worked for Toronto? Looking at his highlights, he scored a lot of good goals, and I, I think if you look at our team last year, we we made a lot of great opportunities, and I think a lot of goals went 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 begging. Um, so I think if we'd had someone with a bit more of a clinical nature about themselves, a bit more experience um, in the men's game at that level. Uh, probably would have helped us, you know, eke out maybe an extra nine to 12 points, which maybe have set us up differently into the, 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 you know, the final part of the season. I think a lot of drop points were nil, nil, one, one, two, two, when, you know, we couldn't close the game out. So um, I think he's, he's done a good job um, in, in, at his level, but, you know, heading to Gremio, I'm sure he's getting paid quite a good sum of money. And I, I don't think there's many regulations going on in Brazil. So I think these are the big things that we have got to face as fans looking at who comes to Toronto is, you know, we're headed into what wave three now, the, the odds of them coming and playing in Toronto anytime soon or slim to none. So um, I think he might've worked for sure, but I think we've got to find a, a, a better solution uh, for the, uh, the Canadian market. Um, and it seems like there's a few MLS teams that are vying for a, um, a 25 year old Austrian player, by the name of uh, Hussein Balik, or maybe Balic, I should say, um, who's playing at uh, LASK in the Bundesliga, who's a midfield winger. Uh, and last week, um, we then spoke about, you know, maybe a winger that can move into that striker role might be the best sort of DP here. Um, but I raised some, some questions about this person. Just in, in my very brief research of him, um, he's 25, and he featured more in cup games for LASK than, than actually the Bundesliga. He, he played 19 games in the Bundesliga, only scoring uh, three times and assisting two. So you know, not a bad return, you know, quite, quite good there, but really featured more into um, the Europa with, you know, five appearances in Europa, scoring twice in the, um, in the cup, the local cup in Germany, 
you know, four appearances, three goals, one assist. So he seemed to do quite well in these maybe a bit more one-sided games where they're playing a lower level team. Again, I don't know who they faced in them, um, but it may have been, he was given a bit more freedom to, to roam and attack uh, uh, on these cup games. So interested to see how he would adapt to an MLS style game um, where, you know, he, he, he may be quite uh, restricted in terms of what uh, the team wants. So I don't think we should be spending top dollar on a 25 year old um, at that level, but right now they're valuing at 2.2 million, which I don't know if we were going to get the, the, the best return for this current TFC squad. I think we've got something in the squad already like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, first going off the, the Bore topic, I think, you know, there's no, Doubt that I think the quality and, and the skill were there, the talent was there, and you know, on paper, he certainly makes a big impact on this team. You know, hypothetically, had he come here, the one thing that kind of concerned me, and this is touching on the question that Dave Oliveira and Anthony Trujellis posed posed to us, which was with Bore signing elsewhere, who are possible other targets? Do you think Bore would have worked in Toronto? So, I mean, skill-wise and talent-wise, 100%, I think he would have worked in Toronto. Uh, the one thing that was that kind of stood out to me and was a bit concerning was kind of just putting every club that he was dealing with through the ringer. Um, you know, so many teases for, you know, TFC, Lazio, uh, Palmeiras. Every, I saw at least four or five clubs that were somewhat in on him, uh, ranging from North America to Italy. So... I think looking at that, that's the one thing where I can kind of sit back and say, you know what, I'm okay we didn't jump in on this because we've seen what's happened with TFC's signings of guys that, you know, aren't completely committed to playing in this type of market and this type of league and setting, right, with probably the biggest example being Jermaine Defoe. So I'm okay with them kind of staying away from this. No doubt the quality would have been there. Sometimes you need to step back and say and look and kind of realize there might be a little light in the darkness in this sense. Um, touching on the Hussein Balich conversation. Uh, first, I should clarify that he plays in the Austrian Bundesliga for LAS. Oh, apologies. No, no, no problem. Um, so I think looking at that, I mean, it's a respectable league, but obviously not the you know top tier leagues in Europe. Um, on top of that, I'm not sure how it really compares or translates to the quality of the MLS per se. Uh, I'm not completely up to it with my Austrian football, unfortunately, but, uh, from what I've seen, he, he definitely has the quality. Um, and I think we need to look, look at kind of the DPs that we've brought in and, you know, our current, I'd our current best player and Alejandro Pozuelo kind of came from a league in Belgium. Um, nobody knew too, too much about him, but we knew that he, the quality was there. The only thing is he had a couple more years on Balich, a uh, bit more experience, had played in a couple more different destinations that are pretty high quality. So I think uh, this would be a good signing should TFC go through with it. But again, we, we don't know too, too much about this player and, the details on how close Toronto FC amongst other clubs in the MLS vying for this gentleman um, details aren't too deep. We don't know too, too much outside of his position, a couple of his stats, the club he plays for age and whatnot. So 
that's uh, that's the interesting thing there. But I think that'd make a decent target. And then, of course, the other one, which we touched on in episode one, was uh, Junior Hoylet. Um, mm-hmm. I'm okay with the Junior Hoylet signing as long as it's not on a DP deal. Uh, that would be, to, in my opinion, a disastrous DP signing should the team go for that because that's some someone we can certainly bring in on a TAM deal uh, with where he's at in his career and uh, where he's playing at the moment and kind of his age and just overall track record. Um, so I think that'd be, it'd be a good TAM candidate and he'd certainly uh, translate into our squad fairly well, I would think, um, but certainly not as a DP player. Um, moving on, a lot of action in uh, – Canadian national teams uh, <clears throat> circles. Uh, we had the men's senior team taking part in a few World Cup qualifiers, um, one against Bermuda and then one uh, just earlier today against the Cayman Islands. Uh, both wins, a 5-1 win over Bermuda and a 11-0 thrashing today over the Cayman Islands. Uh, in that first one against Bermuda, Richie Larea, his first career goal for uh, for Canada. What do you think of that one, Cam? Well, anytime the local lad gets a, on the score sheet, I'm going to be thrilled for him. Um, but I think it's it's a it's an indicator as how Richie continues to grow. Uh, I think that signing from Orlando was was a stroke of genius to bring a local player in who fit really well with our attack. And I speak really highly of how I think he he gets up the pitch and you know adds another level of attacking um, from a, a more often than not, defensive position. Um, so I think this is a, a great boost for his ego, and I hopefully it gets him um, off to the races early on um, with TFC. And hopefully we're, we're going to see him more in the starting 11 as some of our other players continue to, to, to age up. I think we, we want to look to uh, someone like Richie to carry that, uh, that form going into preseason. And it's going to need to be a quick start for the team knowing they're playing away from home. Certainly. And for a guy that hasn't played in at least a couple months with a lot of the MLS guys that were in these camps, uh, not having played in a little while, uh, certainly nice to see his legs in front of him uh, so early on here in the camp. And uh, a guy starting to find his way into the the national squad a little more regularly uh, in the last year or so. Um, touching on that first match, certainly great performances from guys like Kyle Laren, who's uh, nice to see him kind of start to find his scoring touch with the national team. Something he's been lacking a little bit with a hat trick in that first match. Um, the guy that kind of concerned me uh, on a national team standard was Lucas Cavallini. But I mean, being a uh, with the Vancouver Whitecaps of the MLS, I couldn't care less when it comes to his performance in the MLS <laughs> in those standards. But um, and then moving on to today, 11 nothing win over the Cayman Islands. Uh, Alfonso Davies ended up with two goals. Richie Larea came on later as a sub. Um, hat trick for Cavallini coming off the bench with about 15 minutes to go. Um, or sorry, a hat trick in about 15 minutes. Yeah. So uh, certainly an impressive win today. Um, kind of one of those games where you expect to win with a scoreline like that. We needed a scoreline like that for uh, goal differential purposes. But uh, certainly a changing of the guard in this Canadian men's national team setting overall. I think, you know, as recently as three or four years ago, you'd look at this match and you'd be happy if Canada were able to squeak out with like a two or three nil win. Right. So certainly a change in, in that setting. 
Yeah, I think Alfonso Davies really is that that shining star now that people are going to look to to lead this team, still being so young, but playing at his level um, with Bayern. You know, he's going to be that, I assume, captain down the road. I assume he's going to wear the band eventually. I'm not sure if he wore it today. I actually didn't see who captained. Um, you know, we're, we're, we, you know, Scotty Arfield typically being the one who steps into that role, we could see this sort of be a, a changing of the guard. Yeah, I believe, I really believe our captain today was Samuel Piet. Um, oh, I was of uh, Limp Act. Oh yes, so um, good for him as a Canadian national honor. Uh, it sucks that he has to play for the Impact, but um, you know, <laughs> be, uh, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, just some some insane stats from this game, though, Ben. Canada had 44 shots. That's absurd. 44 You don't shots. even... 44 shots is a lot for a hockey game, let alone a soccer game. No, I'll prep a 16 were on target. But <laughs> 16 on target, you got 11 goals. You know, that's that's pretty good. So um, in, in, a, in a group that has, you know, Bermuda, Aruba, Caymans, and uh, Tsunami, like, we should, we should walk through this group, but hopefully build the confidence to go in and play against these other CONCACAF giants and, 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 and stand up to them because in the, uh, the under 23 Olympic qualifiers, we, we fell just short against the uh, Mexican under 23 team. And I think it was a tough, a tough one to, to swallow uh, for Canadian fans. Yeah. We, we thought we held them on for long enough, but you know, I think that quality showed through in the end. For sure. And it's tough because we kind of put ourselves in that position with, uh, drawing teams like Haiti nil nil when realistically that's a game where we should be able to pull through and get three points. Right. And that kind of changes the overall look of things. We probably go from playing Mexico uh, to playing somebody like Honduras or the U S mm-hmm. instead, which, you know, still not easy opponents by any means, but I think I'd rather have played the U S or Honduras over Mexico any day of the week. Um, I thought overall, it we haven't, we haven't beat Mexico since what? Yeah. 1992. So uh, it's been a long time coming. Is it really and that recent? Stack your ships. Um, it, I, I think our last win was in the early 90s. Um, okay. Or the fact that there hasn't been a Canadian win against Mexico in Mexico in a while. Interesting. Long I know me and you both, uh, or I believe you were at least, um, I was at the uh, game, I guess, two Octobers ago against the U.S., uh, where Canada pulled off a 2-0 victory for the first time in 35 years. Um, atmosphere at BMO for that one was a lot of fun. Uh, Davies and Cavallini with the goals that night. Um, but I think, you know, I watch these matches and I can see the differences and, and the incredible amount of growth that has come since the Canada teams I was watching when I was a little kid. Um, you know, you'd go and I'd watch them play Guatemala or, or something like that in a World Cup qualifying match, and we'd get thrashed three or four nil. And you know, you'd, you'd hold out hope, but you knew in the end it was just gonna stab you in the heart. But uh, I think this team now, like they're at the very least, I think they're a top three team in in Concacaf. Um, you know, probably behind the U.S. and in Mexico, I think they're better than Panama and Costa Rica. I mean, that's just me on paper and probably bias, obviously. But realistically speaking, I think they are. And, you know, with the teams that we've got now and all the guys coming over from leagues in Europe, uh, I think we should be making a push to qualify for 
2022. Yeah, I think Canada's in a good position um, if we if we draw a direct parallel to our, our neighbors, the U.S., in terms of young um, um, nationals playing in foreign leagues with, you know, a lot of great young American players are playing abroad in, in, in Germany, especially in, in Europe, um, in these major leagues. And, you know, Canadians are now cropping up everywhere. Jonathan David's been absolutely phenomenal in France and, and you want to see these things continue and grow and you want to see players take these extra steps. And um, it wasn't a question we got in the, the forum, but I think one I'd love to pose right now to, to you, Ben, and, and I'm sure I can give my own two cents here, but looking at our young, our young squad where, you know, most of these, these guys who we considered younger are now in their, their mid to late twenties. Um, and, and, you know, some of the older guard in, into their thirties, we look at this sort of core of a uh, 23 year old, 20 year old, 19 year old, you know, who, who kicks on this year for TFC in terms of these young players, who do you think is going to rise up and, 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 demand a starting 11 position in your opinion yeah well i certainly think it it got interesting towards the end of last season with the number of guys we were bringing up from the academy and tfc2 and whatnot um especially with the likes of Jaden nelson who saw a lot of pitch time even as a as a starter in a few matches and then you saw guys like jaquille marshall rudy coming up um so i think it's it's very promising and bill manning Chris Armis and Ali Curtis have been sticking to their guns on this one in terms of the criticism of them not doing a whole lot this offseason and wanting to stick with those young guns that we've brought up from the academy. Um, I think Jaquiel Marshall Rudy can really push for a spot in this lineup, um, especially with the depth that we've got on the wings at the moment. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the apparent interest he's been attracting uh but i've seen the likes of man you in on him uh so that's obviously really? yeah i know i was i was surprised well, as a, by that as a 16 year old just 16. for everyone knows how old he is yeah he's 16 years old and if he's making an impact on the wing now you know you're seeing shades of the alfonso davies you know rising the ranks in, in vancouver before being picked up by Bayern and winning the champions league all within the span of what three years not even yeah so, you know, these, these, these young athletes, these young gentlemen have, have such high potential when they're, you know, they're fostered in the right way. So no kidding. Um, that's an awesome one to call out Shaquille Marshall ready. No kidding. And it's, it's a testament to how TFC is leaned on their Academy system, which you don't always see in the MLS TFC I'd say is probably definitely up there in terms of the standard they set for relying on academies. Um, I'd say the only one that's better off the top of my mind would probably be Philadelphia. Um, mm -hmm. But a big testament to how TFC is running their academy system. And you always kind of have that conversation of like the development and these guys growing into their bodies at an age like 16, right? And how at such a young age, they'll translate into a league where it's adults and guys in their mid thirties in some cases. And, you know, it's it's a weird conversation to be having, but he he holds his own to say the very least out there. Um, yeah. And on top of that, he looks impressive, right? Like there's plays that he's making that are spectacular, um, along with Jay Nelson. So it's it's really promising. And I'm as much as I would like to see more action 
by this club to bring in guys for this season. I, I'm certainly not upset by any means at their reliance on the academy going into this season. Well, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, who else steps up, right? We saw, you know, Ralph Preso come on. We saw um, Jaden Nelson. Yeah, Ralph Preso, another guy I'm leaving out in there for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, you know, a, a couple of these young players who stepped up and um, even, you know, Schaffelberg, we mentioned him a few times last week. He's still only 21. Um, but now I think the expectation is we have for him as a player is you kick on now. Now we want to see what the past two, three years of development have done in terms of your, 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 your strengths and understanding the MLS game and, and then leaning into your strengths. You know, I, I think he was fearless when he came on for the first few starts, you know, busting up the wing and, and working hard. Uh, and, and maybe now he's trying to play smarter and, and retain himself, but you know, who, who's going to be the next player to really stand out right away. Is it Noble Akello, six foot four midfielder. Right? That's absurd. This team needs size. <laughs> Our, our midfield needs size. You look at our, our lineup, majority of people are coming in that, that five foot nine, five foot 10 range, 140 to 150 pounds, right? We could have a team come in and body us. You know, when you see Liam Frazier slide in there to sort of, you know, backfill for Bradley, yeah, you're having a six one, six foot two individual. Um, but uh, I think Liam Frazier can be more of a wrecking ball at times. You, you need almost mm-hmm. a um, precognition in some midfield positions and, and you hope they step into that or, do you see Julian Dunn, a 20-year-old defender who's six foot one? Do you see him step up now and, and give more support to, uh, I think, a backline whose average age is, is, is well into the, the 29, 30 uh, spot? So as by far the oldest part of our defense, the defense is by far our oldest part of our team. But that can be said, I think, of a lot of different teams in MLS. For sure. And I think this is this is probably a season and on last season as well, carrying over to this season with pandemic and everything like that and and we've talked about the struggles to maybe bring guys into toronto just because it's not the best place to be during a pandemic year right or <laughs> i love how we use pandemic year as a normal thing but um it's certainly a good time and you touched on the height of noble Okello. like i i stand at about six two maybe a little taller than six two and i don't often feel short around soccer players <laughs> I've come in close contact with that guy. And my God, he is not a small human being. Um, moving towards the, the end of end of our second show here. Um, we'll look at some questions that we've been posed through the forums, through our social media. Um, we kind of touched on the one from David Oliveira and Anthony Tergelis regarding uh, the Bore signing and, how it would have worked in Toronto. We, we both expressed our thoughts on that earlier in the show. Uh, so you guys can definitely go back and listen to that. Uh, we also touched on the question from Jaden Brown right off the bat regarding us making a video for flag and banner making. So we hope that we were able to touch on that, Jaden. We appreciate the question and a great one at that. Um, we'll go with the one that's actually a real topic. And then we'll touch on the one from our friend Nick after because that's a I love that one so much. Um, but Kenny Turner asked, when do you feel that BMO will reopen to A, games with no fans, and B, games with fans, um, either full capacity or limited capacity? Um, I, I think we'll start with the, the, the first part of that. So when do I feel BMO will reopen? Um, I think they may and try and get some games in the fall where I don't know if the MLS schedule will again allow 
that Canadian bubble, but I think the the best chance we have of having a game in BMO will be against Montreal, Vancouver. Um, you know, teams are, they're not going to be going cross border. Um, like I said earlier, we're in the third wave now. You know, you're seeing vaccines roll out, which is fantastic. But um, I don't think we're anywhere near um, allowing the borders to open up in the U.S. quite yet. So I think that's our biggest barrier to, is having teams come up. Uh, but there, there was a rumor I, I saw in the news that they were looking at sh- shortening the um, quarantine timeline to one week versus two weeks. So I don't know if that helps a team uh, come up and play some more games. So do you get a you know a team like New York to come up and play Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver before going back down? Um, that really comes down to the MLS's decision. So uh, if they're going to do it, I would say it would be well into the summer, uh, into the peak summer months here. So I would say July, August timing. Um, and uh, are we going to have fans in, this, in the stadium this year? I don't think so. I, I, I have some, some strong doubts about that. Just, just seeing the way cases are going at the moment, um, I don't foresee them justifying that to anyone and people being really good about it. And I, I don't blame them, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, depending on how this vaccine rollout goes, if we're all vaccined by June, then you know, they, they, they may give us the opportunity to do so. So a lot of variables there. So I'm thinking if anything happens, Kenny, I'm saying August timeline. July yeah, and August. I think that's a good that's a good view on it. Um, and it's interesting that you bring up the point about the two-week quarantine possibly going to a one-week quarantine. You could even see it where you may have, you know, if you have a team like New York coming into play in Toronto, for example, maybe if they play on a Saturday, they come in immediately after that Saturday game so that they're in on the Saturday and maybe you schedule a date with Toronto for, you know, the Sunday, that way they cover that week. But then you need to talk about all the training. Will they be able to train while they're in that quarantine? It's a whole, it's a whole big issue that uh, we're certainly probably not qualified to talk in depth about it without any medical practitioners or professionals uh, giving us advice. Um for me, I have a bachelor's degree in communications, Ben. I know everything I need to know about science. Come on. <laughs> yeah, the only science that I have is a political science degree. I don't think I'm cutting it there. But uh, as you can see, I'm hosting this podcast instead. Um, <laughs> I think for the BMO reopen, it's it's weird because we've already got, we know that they're playing in Orlando to start the season at the point that we do now. Like compared to last season, we had no idea what was fucking happening after that MLS's back tournament, right? It was that tournament, and then it was what a month, month and a half of would, nothing. Would the season continue? Was that trophy the end of it? But, yeah, exactly. Not a lot of uh, understanding of what was. Yeah, going exactly. So they ended up playing that five or six games, whatever it was, just against Montreal and Vancouver in staying in the country. Then we had the decision to go to Hartford, Connecticut to play the remainder of our season, which I think wasn't too bad. Obviously, the players, you know, it's not the same for them. They don't have the fans there. Uh, Even when they did start to allow fans, you're not getting TFC fans in there. Um, This one's interesting for me because we know that they're playing in Orlando now until I believe it's August. July or August. I know if you look at the schedule, you see a lot of those games in the fall, like after September with a lot of TBDs beside them in terms of location. So I'm optimistic that you can at least have Toronto hosting games at that point. Um, With, I would imagine with no fans, 
My thing is, though, is MLSE has been talking about how they've got a plan figured out for limited attendance in uh, Scotiabank Arena, which obviously an indoor facility compared to an outdoor facility. So part of me is also telling me if if Toronto FC is able to host games at BMO, I feel like something can be in place to also have fans there. It comes at the same same time for me if mm-hmm. if they're letting the teams come into the country. But obviously we're you know we're just two Muppets talking about our favorite footy team. Um, <laughs> so I just want to build on that, Ben. But you know you you bring up a good point. Is you could have games much later into the year played at BMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before the end of the season, you know, they, they may finally get this vaccine rollout sorted uh, from the dumpster fire it is and, and get to a point where they know that X amount of the population is vaccine. There is that break in the chain uh, and, and they'll they'll look to to allow people in. Um, but, you know, you're not going to have the same crowds at uh, a, a, a colder game into October or September. Um, you don't believe so. And then, you know, I say that I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, The cold weather. You you might have Mm. smaller crowds, which encourage it to be a bit more of a controlled environment. But again, it it, it may turn out to be the the hottest ticket in town and everyone wants to go to the first sporting event outdoors. Right. Yeah. That's the thing with people is they they get hyper-focused on these things. So um, it's tough to say exactly what they'll end up with, but yeah, I think that's a good call out into, you know, the opportunity uh, even post summer into early fall. Exactly. And we still need to see what ends up happening with the vaccination situation here in Ontario and Canada as a whole as we move through uh, closer and through the summer months. Um, You know, things obviously changing every day, as we've seen for the last year. Um, But for one thing that we can tell you, Kenny, is that me and Cam, much like yourself and any other person listening to this podcast, is we want to be we want to have our asses back in BMO field. That's one thing for sure. Uh, moving on to the last question uh, posed by our friend Nick DiClemente. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one kills me. And his question is, why does Ben look so much like Jacob Schaffelberg? <laughs> and I, I don't know if 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 everyone while they're listening to this just pull up an image of Schaffelberg. And where can they Google you, Ben? Do you have a, I know you were doing the broadcast at Mac. Did you have a, like a, like a headshot used in the website? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll certainly be promoting this podcast in, in the Facebook groups for the Red Patch Boys, as well as on my Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so you can certainly find pictures of me um, at Benny Mac 34 on Twitter and Instagram, and then Ben McClellan on Facebook. If you want an image of me there, uh, we'll work with a couple of our buddies within the group to hopefully get a side-by-side image of me and Jacob Schaffelberg out on the social medias. So I, I actually have an idea, Ben. Let's try and post a photo of, of you as a, a 16-year-old and Schaffelberg as a 16-year-old and people can guess who's who. Oh, Lord have mercy on the people that need to look <laughs> at a photo of me as a 16-year-old. Um I didn't, I never even realized it. Like, I'm like, okay, whatever. You see any white blonde dude. It's like, oh yeah, that could look like Ben. Um, I looked at an image of him yesterday, like in training or a game, uh, hair kind of done, sweating, facial expression. And I'm like, holy shit. I look like Jacob Schaffelberg. I didn't realize it one bit. Are you going to, are you going to buy his Jersey now? <sighs> I might need to. Maybe see how far you can get through security at BMO with it. Yeah. Pitch invader, man. 
nobody would tell the difference except that I'm probably got 50 pounds on them because of all the fucking pints I drink. But, you know, that's a whole different story. You'll, you'll just dominate the midfield. Yeah, just a big body out there. Kind of like big, a lot of those. Kind of like a lot of those like center backs you see for those small CONCACAF nations that are, you know, making food as a as a side side job on top of playing for their national team right guys just throw on a jersey and they're playing for the national team but <laughs> it's uh <laughs> that would be me at, at playing on the pitch at bemo um but that's a great point to <laughs> by nick to spot that i think that's so funny i had never noticed that one bit and personally i've always liked Schaffelberg too so i thought i would notice that much earlier but you know way she goes i guess well well maybe now we're going to encourage him to to have a breakout season as soon as as soon as we can start interacting with players in person and that that's something we need to do asap is get a picture of me and jacob schaffelberg together i think tweedledee and tweedledum as they say. <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> no, that sums it up i'd say um well, that does it for us here on the second episode of the official Red Patch Boys podcast. Uh, Cam, is there anything you wanted to uh, to leave with? I, I think we're going to try and get a special guest um, on an upcoming episode. Uh, so stay tuned for our first interview on the Red Patch Boys official podcast. And um, hopefully you keep listening and you keep giving us uh, more feedback to make this more about you. And hopefully there's more Red Patch Boys news. <laughs> No, certainly, certainly. And not just Red Patch Boys, but Toronto FC as a whole, I'd say. Um, but certainly a great point there. Uh, definitely going to be start reaching out a little more to start spicing things up a little bit with some interviews of some uh, interesting individuals from our group, as well as the Toronto FC community. Um, so with that being said, I'm Ben McClellan. That's Cam Miller. Uh, you've been listening to the Red Patch Boys podcast. Thank you so much for your support. Come on, you Reds. <laughs>